This is the fight game with Demond Cotton. Hello, hello, and welcome. And doesn't that sound good, Jared? Let that ride out a little bit. I mean, I was gonna either way. You are tuned in to the first edition, the first episode of The Fight Game with Damon Cotton here on 1230 The Game. And thank you for listening. We've got an action-packed show for you today. Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review Journal will be joining the show. I am your host, Damon Cotton, my producer, my board op, my friend, Jared Justice. Thank you for being here today and thank you for doing this with me. Lock along, buckle yourself in because we are on a journey. This is the first. It could be the last. Who knows? <laughs> but we are here. TFG, the fight game. Jared, how you feeling for this very first show we got? I'm excited. I'm ready to go. I have no idea what we're doing, but I am happy to be a part of it. Uh, he's just kidding, everybody. You know, he's got a little bit of an idea. We know what we're doing. We know that we're here to talk about the fight game. And the fight game for you listening, if you do not know the fight game, it could be boxing. It could be MMA. It could be my first love, professional wrestling. Or, hey, even if you see a nice fight sequence in a movie, if you want to talk about it, I'll talk about it with you because there is nothing off limits in the fight game. I know that it's a little old, but heck, even Will Smith slapping the hell out of Chris Rock, that qualifies under the fight game jurisdiction. All right. So we're just opening. All right. I I like it. I like that uh, the definition is fluid and uh, we're going to go. We can go all different directions. Exactly. And we're going all different directions. And because this is a dream, this first, this theme of this first show, it's a dream of mine to have my own show. And since I have my own show, One of the things that I want to talk about, let's say dream fights. I know that some people don't like the term dream matchups or anything like that because I do hate the historical comparison. Oh, let's see Muhammad Ali versus Mike Tyson. But let's at least see fights that you would want to see in the present time between fighters that are still active because we know that there is always some bureaucratic red tape in the fight game on who can fight who, the matchups of maybe someone's injured now, maybe someone else's management team doesn't want to make that fight happen. But today we're going to talk about, let's just say, some dream matchups, and we're going to see this past weekend Earl Spence as he defeated Ugas, and that's setting up for the 147 title fight between Carl Crawford, excuse me, Bud Crawford, Terrence Crawford, that we would all want to see there because we've got Crawford and Spence, two guys at 147. This would be a dream fight, a match that everyone would want to see happen in the boxing arena. But before we move any forward, any forward anymore, Jared, ring the bell. Uh Uh-oh. There we go. We're ringing the bell, and now that's the official we're getting started here on the fight game. We're going to have a bunch of different elements on the show to get you guys used to. But once we ring that bell, that lets you know that the gloves are on, mouthpiece is in, and we are ready to go. Jared, you're smiling over there. What's what's so funny? I it's not it's not funny. It's literally I might be super old. Uh, is it er- Errol? It's Errol Spence. Is it not? If I've been pronouncing that wrong my entire life. It is, but one of the things that people will learn about me very soon, 
I love to cr- I love to announce pronounce people's names right. But if I don't, and I've been saying it incorrectly for a while, oh, no, I'm you, probably no, just no, going to no, be yeah, saying no, it just incorrectly. Roll with it, yeah, yeah, just roll with it. No, no, no. Errol's also one of those names that's like. What is this? Like, are you about to go fight the Kaiser? Oh, are you saying like you didn't know we made Earls anymore? I, well, Earl, Errol, like neither of those names are like, that's not a name anymore. Like, that's like, that's a brand of like motor oil. I know you didn't watch the fight. Jared is my producer, but not that big into the fight game. Jared, (laughs) the fight with him and Ugas where Earl Spence, where he was giving him the business, but you know, the, the, you know, the, um, the, the introductory, the, hey, how'd you do the post-game fight, as you could say. Yeah. The post-fight interview, where it's, hey, man, how did you do? What did you think about the fight? What's next for you? And he sounds exactly how his name would think <laughs> that he would sound. Okay. He is from Texas. This fight was in Cowboy Stadium in Jerry World, and he sounds just like a homegrown guy from Texas. He sounds like a man whose first name might be Carol, and you don't quite, you're like, no, that's Carol. We don't we don't mess with Carol. <laughs> sure. He's just he, but he's country and he's had to come back from so much from a car accident that he had in 2019 and even an eye surgery or I'm not going to lie, I thought maybe Ugas might be able to surprise him here because Spence has had to battle back from so much and hasn't had a fight in a few years. And then Spence came out and looking fantastic. And Ugas, he got him with in the sixth round. There was mouth. There was a little bit of a mouthpiece gate, where this could have been of a problem. He he. Earl Spence eats a punch. Mouthpiece goes flying, and it's customary. Hey, the mouthpiece falls out in combat sports. Hey, referee's gonna call a little time. Hey, put your mouthpiece back in. That can be dangerous for someone to be fighting without the mouthpiece. So Spence looks towards the ground, and he goes. He looks down, and he's about to go pick up that mouthpiece. But the referee did not call time, and Ugas hits him with a solid two-piece. He stumbles back into the ropes, and that those two punches were the best two punches of the round, and Ugas gets that round. And people were saying it on Twitter. You could see it on social media. If Crawford gets that same two punches, he's going down. Where at you know at the end of the day it did not affect the decision of the fight that was a TKO stoppage in the eleventh round. It did not affect the decision of the fight because Spence had it in hand, but it just could have been bad. Jared, what do you fall when it comes to sportsmanship? Do you think that that is fair? Hey, the guy falls. We all know his mouthpiece fell out. Let him pick up his mouthpiece, or you got to wait. You defend yourself at all times, as we hear so much. I mean, and wait for the official to call the time. If celebrity deathmatch taught me anything, oh it was defend yourself at all times. You got to defend yourself at all times. Now let's get it on. Celebrity deathmatch, huh? Hey, you said anything? Anything goes you know in the what? fight game. You're right. I can't go against my own <laughs> rules by saying that I am too good for Celebrity Deathmatch. If you, those of you who do not know, Celebrity Deathmatch was a great program <laughs> on MTV. I, I don't know if it was great. I, I, oh, no, it was great. Problematic. <laughs> yeah, you can't get away with Celebrity Deathmatch in 2022. But, hey, when we were kids... Yeah, Celebrity Deathmatch. Now I feel like an old guy. Remember when we were kids? There was a show called Celebrity Deathmatch. You kids today wouldn't get it. You wouldn't understand Celebrity Deathmatch. Oh, but yes, uh, they literally how? Okay, but all I know is that the one famous, the the one consistently famous person on Celebrity Deathmatch was a 
was the ref who said, let's get it on. Yeah, but also the, the absurdity of Celebrity Deathmatch where it would just be, we got Jack Black versus Jack White, and we're going to get claymation figures of them, and that's the show. Yeah, no, that's the entire premise. The premise of the show is uh, which, which Jack reigns supreme, black or white? And then they would, you know, obviously there would be some other element to it. And the two commentators would say incredibly indefensible things. And Judge Mills Lane, that is the... Let's get it on! He was also the official for the famous Holyfield versus Tyson ear bite fight. He is that official because I remember remember this distinctly. I'll do my best Judge Mills Lane impersonation. Where it's like, why just stop the fight? He's like, what you want me to do? Let's (laughs) keep biting him! (laughs) (laughs) It's our first show, and I don't feel like we've already, I feel like we've already gone off the rails. Well, I'm gonna get us back on yeah, track. Yeah, get us back on. All right, Errol Spence. Errol Spence. He and, got punched in the head when he dropped his mouthpiece. Get us back on track. Yes, and also we're talking about dream fights or fights that you would like to see happen in the fight game. I'm going to put a poll out on Twitter, Jared, to get working on that. But the fight, the the poll. Here we are. I'm going to give you. Four options, and always got to throw out other because, hey, who knows? Give people the option. If none of the fights that I provide you are that good, you can choose your own. Your own. So we've got, at 147, the welterweight division in boxing, which I think is the best division in boxing, Earl Spence versus Terrence Crawford. Mm-hmm. And now we'll jump into the MMA world. Here's your MMA option for those of you MMA. We'll get into more of this with Adam Hill. John Jones for the heavyweight title against Francis Ngannou. That is a big fight because John Jones, he's moved up to heavyweight in theory, but he hasn't had a fight yet. And has he passed a drug test yet? Legal trouble aside, (laughs) John Jones is a hero on this show to me. Hey, no. When he is in trouble, we'll talk about it. But for right now, he is clean. The pound-for-pound greatest fighter of all time. And also, pound-for-pound the least active fighter of all time. And C, for the pro wrestling crowd out there, Cody Rhodes has made his return to WWE. He is the 2022 version of the white meat baby face that WWE has been trying to recreate since Hulk Hogan almost. He's he's more over than Cena as a pure baby face. Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns, and D will be other. So we've got A, Spence versus Crawford, B, Jones versus Nganu, C, Rhodes versus Reigns, or D, Other. I'm trying to sprinkle that in there, give everybody a little bit of their flavor, what they may want to see more. You've got your boxing, you've got your MMA, you've got your wrestling. And Jared, you gave me a funny look there because you, you know, Cody Rhodes, you don't know the story. Well, well the I son- also, I, you also went white meat. And then Hulk Hogan, and there was a joke there that I'm not willing to make. Please don't. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't know, look up uh, Gawker. (laughs) Look up uh, high fives after uh, being recorded on video. Uh, A whole debacle there for the uh, (laughs) formerly great Hulk Hogan. Okay, so let's 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 go to real quick though. Uh, Is it? Errol Spence supposed to fight, uh, what is it, Stanois? Stanois? 
I can't pronounce the last names. This could be a, this could be a huge uh, problem whenever we have to deal with anyone from Lithuania. Yeah, that may be the um, where you have all the. That's the problem where it comes in with boxing, where you have all these different promotions or who signed to who. But that's the brilliant part with Terrence Crawford now, where he has no promoter. He's not signed to PBC or Golden Boy or any of these things where these, this might be an issue. Terrence Crawford, he's his own man, so it's just up to the two sides. Spence, after the fight, where he's in the ring, he's saying, hey, there's, so there's only one fight to make. There is only one fight to make, and that's Earl Spence versus Terrence Crawford. That's the fight that everybody wants to see at 147, where you have the issues where I still think we're moving to the heavyweight division in boxing. I don't care that they've both lost and a little bit of the shine is off. I would love to see Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder. For me, that's a dream fight. You got two guys both over 6'6", and it would just be two heavyweights dueling it out. Nobody, it would be the best fight for second place you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> you know what? Change that third place. The best fight <laughs> for third place you've ever seen in your life at the heavyweight division. And it's one of those things where since both guys have lost – I don't want to see them fight Tyson Fury. Neither of these guys can beat Tyson Fury. <laughs> but you know what? Give me that fight for third place. That's going to be more entertaining. It's going to put my butt in the seat. I'll tell you that right now. Jesus Christ. Every time I look up Tyson Fury, I'm like, six foot nine, 278 pounds. There's no way he's 278 pounds. I'm, I I'm sure fight week. I know the heavyweights, there is no weight limit but i'm yeah, sure that he's no, working yeah. in the ufc the heavyweight limit is 285 he would definitely he's working down to cut weight <laughs> if he was in the ufc it's just like i'm watching him and i'm going <laughs> i watch Shaq play Shaq wasn't 278 but tyson fury when you've seen him when he was at his worst when he did lose a lot of that when he gained a lot of that weight you saw he was putting on every pound. He he was wearing every pound. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's it's always good to see a professional athlete sweat like I do whenever I'm eating a sandwich. I'm not going to lie. That's what makes him so relatable. In his fight with Deontay Wilder, how he's singing in the ring to his wife, whatever song he was singing, I think it was a Aerosmith song, and he's just, you know, belting out lyrics. People are loving this guy because he is so relatable. I know if you put that same body shape in his same dimensions on a body that's 6'2, you got people that's like, he's just like me. <laughs> Those same dimensions on a body that's 6'2, people are like, he's the everyman. But it's the fact that he is a gigantic 6'9 that you see, oh, that's what makes him so special. Is that to be so elusive at that size. But he's fighting an American. And usually, no matter who the American is fighting, if they're fighting the other, let's say, because he is from Britain, yeah. it, you're, there's going to be a USA champ breakout. That did not happen in either of the Wilder <laughs> fights. No, no, it did not. That's, uh, yep, another one of those things that I don't want to be the one who says it. So uh, we're uh, moving on, rolling on. All right, and that is the first segment of the fight game. I really hope that you stick around because when we come back, Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review Journal will be joining us. And this guy, he's he's locked in on the MMA game. Adam Hill, he knows it all. You're listening to the fight game here on 1230 The Game. Welcome back to the fight game. 
All right, and we are back here on the fight game on 1230 the game. And I'm pleased to introduce my guest, the one, the only, Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review Journal. How you doing, Adam? I'm good, man. That's a bit much. It's very, uh, you know, it's, very, first of all, very, very smooth. I enjoy, uh, enjoy your delivery there. Good show. Uh, but that's a bit much. Not the one and the only. I'm just another guy. I mean, is there another Adam Hill that's breaking down combat sports? You basically do it all. Combat sports, the Raiders, you were at the Golden Knights game last night. What don't you do? Uh, well, there's actually another Adam Hill that's a comedian, I think, in Australia. Uh, I don't do that. He's uh, he's 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 somebody that people tweet at me all the time because I think he's got you know he's got the Adam Hill uh, Twitter account which sucks. Um, but I don't do that. I'm not a stand up comedian. I wish it's my uh, it's something I also follow. I love to follow stand up comedy, but I can't do that. So that's something I can't do. Hold on, but have you ever thought about pursuing it? Have you ever thought about maybe getting on an open mic night? Every second of my life. I would love to do it. It would be amazing, but I'd also be terrible, so I don't want to do it. But you don't know. I mean, no, I want to I wanna, like just take a little detour before we even get started on Adam Hill, the second career as a stand-up comedian. W- would you be more of a personal comedian? Would it all be like retrospection about your life? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of craziness, a lot of uh, insanity that's happened. I think that's the key to stand-up comedy, too. You have to, you have, to have gone through some stuff. Um, and you have to be pretty dark and disturbed. I think I am a little bit on some level, so I think that would help. <laughs> How self-deprecating would you get? Hold up. Oh, okay. Dude, I lost it. I'm sorry. That's oh, okay. Bad. I said, how self-deprecating would you get with the stand-up comedy? Oh, dude, that, I mean, that's all it would be. I think that, that, that's such a key, right? Um, I mean, if we're really going to get into this, like I said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big, uh, I'm a pretty big stand-up comedy nerd. Like, I, I really, I dig pretty deep into the woods. Uh, I love to just find some, you know, some up and covers and stuff like that. And I follow the scene pretty closely. And have you seen T.I. trying to do it? Oh, it's so funny because he's, like, booked himself. He didn't want to do the open mic nights, maybe started a couple small clubs. He booked himself on, like, a whole stadium tour, right? Or at least an arena tour? Yeah, well, he he just he just bombed at a, at Barclays Center, which was hilarious. But he, here's the issue with him, like he's I think people are like, oh, he's got to be comfortable on stage. He's a rapper, he's a performer, all that, right? But like, there's a difference. Like hip hop, and I lo- listen, I love hip hop too, but hip hop is like very braggadocious. It's like, um, and it doesn't have to be. Like I love a lot, you know, like Jake Hulk. It's introspective. I love I love that and everything. But there there is a lot of like, you know, over the top, like you know. You know, there's there's a lot of bragging in that world, and and then stand-up comedy is so different. Like you can't be that guy, and he he wins in every joke, you know, quote unquote. So like every joke is like, oh, I did this, I'm great, and I did this, and like, dude, that does not work in stand-up comedy. You have to you have you have to be kind of the the you know the somebody somebody that comes out on the bottom that doesn't always come out on top that doesn't win in your jokes, and he can't do that. He hasn't made that transition, and. It's rough up there, man. It, it's uh, it's brutal, and I, I have so much respect for people that do it, except for our friend Gooch in the building, who I don't have respect for. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he's, he's a great dude. And uh, it's 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 admirable, people that are willing to get up on top and like, kind of expose themselves. But you have to 
you have to expose yourself to jokes. So, um, like, listen, I, I love uh, I love that world, but that, you, nobody wants to hear about my comedy. Exactly. Yeah, you know what? Dream. But it was fun. And also, I'll throw in one last bit about the stand up comedy. You also you can't be too handsome to be to do stand up comedy as well. I, yeah, true, true. I mean, like, you, you people have done it, right? Like, uh, I don't know who's who's like a handsome. There, there's two, there's comics that have done it in. Uh, I think that there's a there's a degree that they can do, and then I but I think that's like a certain story, like a like a was like a Dane Cook is popular with like the teenage girl crowd, like you know you can be a certain you can have a certain element, but no, I think you're right for the most part because that goes back to being the the underdog and you know the kind of the outsider, like there, there's a certain um, <laughs> there's a certain there's a certain uh, confidence that comes with that, with like being like a good looking dude that like you, <laughs> that, that might not work on stage. And I don't think people like that. People want you to see you exposed and um, expose your, uh, you know, insecurities and that sort of thing. All right. Once again, we're talking with Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review Journal, also a member of Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Now we're going to get into the meat of why Adam's on the show today, the fight game. And Adam, this is my first show, so it's a dream of mine to have my own show. So the one thing I want to talk about would be some dream matchups in the UFC or maybe just some potential fights that the UFC needs to make happen. So before I toss it over to you, do you think that the UFC, that they make the fights that the fans want to see? Because it's not as much red tape as boxing, but I feel like sometimes the USC is a little bit hesitant to make the right fight. Yeah, a little bit, but but I think there there is different. It's different barriers that are in boxing. I mean, in boxing, you're right. It's it's very frustrating because you know I'm not the biggest boxing guy, um, so I'm is deep in that world. Uh, but but there is like there's different promoters. There's different. Um, uh, sanctioning bodies, there's all these different things, and you're right, there, there's so much red tape that holds it up, and it's like, all right, well, I'll see this guy fight this guy. Well, their promoters don't work together, and also, uh, there's a mandatory title title defense before that fight can happen, and so, like, this, this sanctioning body is going to make you get paid off for this, and then it's like, well, we're going to hold you back, so, like, there's all these things getting in the way. The UFC doesn't really have that, but they do in the sense that you don't want to uh, you don't want to waste the guy too early. You don't want to have two. You have two big up and coming stars. You don't want them to go against each other. So you do protect that in a little bit. Uh, but we do see them more often than we do in boxing. And there's not as as many built in things holding those things up. But um, it, it's not. We don't always get every single fight that we want. So there there is some barriers. There are some. You know, some guys are like, well, I don't want to fight that guy because of you know <laughs> whatever reason. Um, so you do see a little bit of it, but there isn't, you know, we do have those possibilities, right? So when we have discussions like this, um, it's not as much of a pipe dream as in the boxing world. Like we do get to see them every once in a while and uh, every so often things come together and they're great. Um, and then we, we do get to, you know, talk about like a potential Stipe versus John Jones, like something that would probably never happen in the boxing world, but could happen in the MMA world. Going back to Stipe versus John Jones. John Jones, he's made this move up to heavyweight. I feel like it's been two years since he's announced, hey, I'm going to move up to heavyweight, but the UFC still hasn't given him a fight. Francis Ngannou, the champion, I don't even know if he's re-signed a contract yet, but if John Jones were to fight Stipe, would that be for the interim belt or would it just be for the heavyweight title because we don't know what's going on with Francis? Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, Francis is still, first of all, he's recovering from surgery. I know that... uh uh, he had surgery not too long ago, and sounds like it went pretty well, and he's recovering. But um, I think that would absolutely be an interim title fight, only because 
Um, you know, the UFC does a lot of interesting things with their interim titles. One thing they do is, you know, if they need a main event with a title bout, uh, then they'll just throw one out there on whenever they want to. Uh, but the other thing is that if, if you don't like the champion, uh, then you'll throw an interim belt out there almost immediately just to uh, kind of annoy the champion and try to get under their skin and try to force some issues uh, with them contractually. So, um, you know, I think uh, with the Ngannou thing that there is so much frustration that even though he just fought, it's not like it's not like it'll be, you know, a year since he's fought. It's it's a couple of months, and the UFC I think would absolutely throw it out there just to put the pressure on him to resign, just to say, look, if you don't want to sign a contract, we're moving on. We've got a, we've got an interim champion. We'll make him the champion, and you know we'll put you in a bad spot. So they do use a lot of those interim titles as leverage, and I think in this case. They'd absolutely do that to a Ghana to try to force the issue uh, contractually with him. So in this potential matchup, John Jones versus Stipe, do you think John Jones comes out on top? Because no one's seen him at heavyweight, but does that talent of one of the greatest fighters the UFC has ever seen, does it just transfer over? I, I don't know. This is a really fair question, right? Like I think John Jones is an incredible athlete. There's no question about it. Um, and I think that he can absolutely make that transition and fight at heavyweight and look good. But that's a really tall order to not only move up to heavyweights, but to try to do it against one of the best that we've ever seen in the division. And a guy who uh, absolutely is, is strong and fast and uh, is a really tough matchup. So, I, I, you know, I wanted to see John Jones take another fight at heavyweight. I wanted to see him kind of make that transition and, and see how he looked in the cage, how he moves around. I think uh, him, him being heavyweight and training at heavyweight is different than him actually stepping in the cage and, and doing it and competing against those guys. And uh, is, is he capable of it? Sure. There's no question about it. But um, I, I think you take a punch from a heavyweight, it's a little bit different. Um, and I, I just think, you know, walking into the cage at that bigger weight, I think is going to is going to be an adjustment, even if you've trained uh, the way that he has for, you know, as you said, like it's been a couple of years now that he's moved up and put that bulk on. Um, but, but I think it's going to feel different for him. So I wanted to see more of a, uh, kind of a, a transition to the heavyweight division, but we haven't seen it happen, and he's just going to have to step in and, and you know really throw himself to the wolves against uh, a great fighter in Stipe if again if this does happen. Um, but I I just don't know how he's going to feel. And let's not also forget, it's not that he just transitioned to a new weight class and put out a bunch of muscle, you know, put out a bunch of muscle, put out a bunch of weight to move up. He's gone from his gym. Like the, there was a lot of things outside the cage that happened with him and. Um, some some internal battles that he had uh, at Jackson's, and it, it, he's been there for so ever for for so long. But now he's gone. Now he's kind of training on his own. He's moving around a little bit. He was down in Phoenix with his brother. Now I assume at some point he'll be moving to Las Vegas with his brother, um, and probably trying to get the place to train up in Vegas. So uh, he's been moving around a little bit. It's a different camp. He's, he doesn't have that same comfort level that he did uh, before. Uh, with his coaches that he was with for so long and that he trusted so much. So it's a lot of different changes in his fight game, not just the fact that he's moving up to heavyweight. Oh, man, that opens up so many questions because I didn't think about him changing camps, moving on from Greg Jackson, and who would he move to now? And also coming to Vegas, him moving with Chandler Jones because he's now on the Raiders, that really gives you something to think about. But bouncing around here, we're just going to bounce around to the welterweight division. Kamaru Usman is the champ. And I think that the most exciting thing about this welterweight division is how deep it is. But the champion, even though he has been dominant, he's the least talked about person in the division. Kobe Covington is set in as the number two. He is number two in that division. And 
I think that all the contenders that the fight to make is with Kobe Covington for a number one contender shot. So who do you think gets to fight Kobe next for a number one contender spot? Well, and then I think just to go back to your point about Usman, you're right. I mean, he's not talked about that much because he's just so dominant right now. And it's like, why, you know, why really break down his matchups when he's kind of run through everybody already? He's beat almost every contender. Um, it, 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 and he's kind of turned everyone away. And uh, I think he is, you know, not the forgotten man, but it's like, well, he's going to win the fight against no matter who it is. So you got to tr- really talk about the contenders to get something exciting. Um, and he needs that new blood, and he got it with Shemaev. So I think that's that's the guy that everybody just holds up and says, all right, Shemaev versus everyone else in the division. That's the fun fight. That's what we want to watch because eventually we want to see Shemaev and Usman. Uh, but Shemaev and, and Covington, is, it's the fight, right? I mean, that's what everybody wants to watch. I think uh, obviously the buildup is going to be absolutely unbelievable and incredible. Uh, you'll see Kobe Covington get incredibly racist, of course. Uh, <laughs> there's no question about that. And, um, you know, by fight night, everyone in the world will want to see uh, Kobe. Co- I mean, well, every sane person will want to see Kobe Covington just smash to oblivion. Um, and, and there's, you know, a bunch of idiots out there that don't think right. that don't want to see, hey, I like what he says about that guy. Like, okay. Uh, you're, yeah, it's, you're a it's okay. To, it's okay to attack or some someone's home country or their sure. family. Uh, real quick, the little detour. When Jorge Masvidal took shots at him outside of Poppy Steak in Miami, did you think that was okay for your you as an MMA reporter? Was that inside the lines or did he take it too far? Yeah. Well, listen. I mean, you can't attack somebody outside of a of a restaurant and you know run up on them and you know hit them and. Um, you can't do it. Uh, it, it. Listen, I get it. I understand it. Um, I, if I were in Corey Masvidal's shoes, I'd want to do it too. Um, but you can't, right? I mean, I, 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 I don't want to. I don't think there's any way you can find a way to condone it. And then they they went with the family thing, and hey, he talks about his family. Yeah, I, I, like listen, I'd want to. There's a lot of people in life I want to go up and punch. I mean, it happens probably every day, but I don't do it. Like you can't. Um, so yeah, it was, it was outside of the, the bounds and, um, I, I wasn't surprised by it because I've heard from people around Masvidal that, you know, this is not a, it wasn't a play thing. It wasn't a fun thing. It wasn't a fight talk thing. He wanted to hurt him and he went in the cage and it, he wasn't able to do it. And, you know, I was told, look, even if he beat him, this is, this is before the fight. This isn't after the fight. This isn't something where, you know, I, I saw people say, well, Masvidal had all this time inside the cage to take care of it. He wanted to take care of it. Um, I was told before the fight, he's going to beat him in the cage, and then he's still going to attack him outside the cage in Miami. Like, I was told that before the fight. And uh, so I don't think it matters that he didn't beat him in the fight, that he wasn't able to, to take advantage of that time. I think he would have gone to get him anyway because he wanted to send a message that this is not about the fight. This is about real life, and you don't say those things in real life. So... Um, I, I think that the people that were saying, oh, hey, why did he just punch him in the cage and he had all this time? Yeah, I don't think that mattered. Uh, I think this is about reality and sending the message that, you know, this is not about a game. This is not fun. You don't say those things. Oh, man, you're breaking some news to me because I did not know that he, he had already said before the fight that it would be on site even if he won because I did see those detractors of, you had 25 minutes to do something. It's like, well, obviously – you know, this was more personal to him than that. All right, and then let's jump over to lightweight. Because the newest content, Charles Oliveira, the, the title holder at lightweight, where I think it's another 
instance where Usman, where he is the champion and he has had some good performances, but he's just not as popular or has that buzz that the other people in the division have, obviously because you have Conor McGregor, he's the one that they always say, if he can win another fight, give him a title fight right after that. But I think that Islam is that true number one contender. Do you see that fight happening to him? Yeah, I think so. But I, I think it's different in the lightweight division where, you know, Usman is just dominated everybody and destroyed everybody. And I think that's why he's not part of those, you know, discussions all the time of what you really want to see and then who you want to see in the cage um, because he's been dominant. And Olivera is a little bit different. I mean, he he has, you know, he has won some fights and he's been very, very talented and good and everything else. But he hasn't really, you know, dispatched of everyone in the way that Usman has. I think his lack of popularity is a little bit different than the than the reasons of Usman not being as popular. Uh, but, yeah, that's a fight I think that would be very, uh, very entertaining, very good. I think uh, Islam has a, a chance to be more of a a star potentially in Oliveira, which I don't get. I don't understand. A lot of times I don't understand why guys are not more popular. Uh, Oliveira, is, he's quiet, so I get a little bit of that regard. But, man, he's a guy that has been so exciting in his fight, so explosive, so talented, uh, but also has a great backstory of, you know, you know, rising up and, and coming from out of nothing. And um, it's a guy that you should want to root for, just a kind of a good dude. Um, I, I think that sometimes those guys get overlooked a little bit uh, because he's not out there trash talking and being over the top. And I, that's one of the things I love is when people are like, I don't like all the, you know, all the, all the over the top trash talk. I don't like that kind of stuff. And then you're like, well, then why don't you cheer for a guy like Oliver? They're like, oh, he's just not exciting. Okay, well, you can't have it both ways, right? I mean, people people want mm-hmm. uh, people say some crazy things a lot, and uh, I just think Oliver is a guy that should be a lot more popular. Um, but again, he's he's not he's not making headlines every day, and so um, you know that's that's what people say they want, but they don't. <laughs> it's fu- it's funny just to take a detour a little bit of like in the media world where people are like, I don't like the media; they're always they're always sending these headlines out, and I don't like that stuff. But you click on them, and that's why they're sent out. Because you know, when you do a story that a lot of people read, you're going to do those stories again. Like that's how the media works. You know, th- there's so many analytics on what people like to read, and people say they don't want to read these things, and then they do, and that's why they keep happening. So you know, people say they want a guy that doesn't trash talk, and they don't do this. Well, you don't watch them fight, and you don't talk about them, and you don't read their stories. So that's not really what you want. Exactly. I'm so glad you're calling people out on their hypocrisy because another fighter, again, we're talking to Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review Journal, another fighter that I think that the UFC machine wants to get behind. He's only ranked, he's ranked outside of the top 10 in the Bantamweight division. That's Sean O'Malley. Do you think that he is one of those fighters that the UFC is just hoping, he's 15-1 and one right now, that he just doesn't lose a fight anytime soon so they can just rocket him to superstardom? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that he's so ultra-marketable uh, in that way. Again, he's the kind of guy that people say they don't want uh, you know, to, to be a champion and they don't want to watch him, but they do. That, that's what people want. And I, I use a, a kind of a, um, a metric that's not official. You know, like I know the UFC has their, hey, this, we get this many impressions on social media, we get this, we do this. Like, th- there's all these ways they measure how popular a guy is going to be. Um, I use it where I have, you know, fans or uh, people that I know that kind of watch the sport but kind of don't, and they only get tuned in every once in a while. Um, if those if those kind of people are texting me and 
you know, asking me uh, constantly about a certain guy, uh, I know that they're going to be, you know, incredibly popular. I know Mally is a guy, uh, all these people that really don't follow the sport, that don't talk about it, that rarely ever say anything about it, are always talking to me about O'Malley. Oh, I love that guy O'Malley. I love that guy with the hair. I love that weed guy. Like, that guy that, you know, it, it really appeals to them. And um, a lot of those people really have, have circulated around O'Malley, and they really want to see him do well. And I think that's why the UFC is really, really hoping that he keeps rising up. You know, he's had a bunch of injury issues and a bunch of time away from the cage. There's a lot of things that have held him back. But, uh, yeah, there's no question He's a guy that every single time he fights the UFC is kind of cheering for him. Unlike, you know, mm-hmm. Alzheimer's Sterling, who they mm-hmm. clearly don't want to be champion. Uh, I think they would love at some point if Sean O'Malley rises up in that, in that championship level because he's a guy they don't have to really push. They don't have to market him. He does it himself, and people gravitate to him. They just want to watch him fight. They remember him. He's memorable. And so, you know, that's big for them. All right, Adam, last question for you. If Dana White gave you control, he said, hey, Adam, you book the next main event what fight would you want to see more than anything? Oh man, I mean it's it's right now it's it's very it's very square. I mean we already mentioned it, but it, it's Shemayev coming to that I really want to see, um, just because of of how great I think the build up would be and how uh, intriguing the fight would be, especially after Shemayev kind of had to go through some struggles uh, and try to battle his way there. Like I really want to see it, but if I'm you know if you're asking me to book as a businessman. It's an it's an easy it's an easy Conor McGregor Diaz three, like that's that's the fight that's going to do the most business. I think that's the fight that uh, would really really work in July that people would be so excited and intrigued about. Um, that's the fight that would make the most amount of money. So um, if you're putting me in charge to say hey you're going to make some money and you're going to uh, uh, you know help out the uh, the shareholders, yeah that's the fight. But Shmaev coming to it would be so fun to cover. All right, Adam. Thank you so much for joining us today. Of course, man. Anytime. Great job. And your, your show is going to be unbelievable, Devon. So you're living the dream, and I love it. You flatter me too much. We can, this might be the first and last. <laughs> I don't think so. All right. Thanks, Adam. Yep. All right. That was Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review-Journal joining us on the fight game here on 1230 The Game. And we'll be back to close out the show. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to The Fight Game. And we're back here on The Fight Game on 1230 The Game. And we're going to introduce a segment. You know, to close out the show, Jared is a producer on The Press Box on ESPN Las Vegas. And he's the morning show. That's the morning show on ESPN Las Vegas. And sometimes Jared doesn't get to express himself fully. So I want to give Jared that opportunity. And we're here's a segment we like to call A Few Good Minutes with Jared. Let's get it on! All, All right, right, Jerry, what you got? All right, I'm gonna play some. I'm gonna play some sound for you uh, from Jimmy Butler, and he says some stuff in here, and it it's kind of a longer piece, but uh, he says some stuff in here that really like makes me kind of like, man, he's he's real. He he does not give a bleep. And scrolling through your Instagram story throughout the day, you listened to Backstreet Boys. I did. And you played some sort of card game. What was the card game to get ready Spades. for this? Spades. Spades, yeah. Whoop and, they tail, too. I ain't going to cuss. Whoop they tail. So was that the right combination of, of music and card games to, to put your like place I'm a, to perform? I'm a huge fan of the Backstreet Boys. Um, and I just love to compete at anything. But anything to take my mind away from basketball for a little bit is always good. Um, it's good for everybody, but that's just what I do on game days. It's music, make, drink my coffee, and compete with my guys. 
Okay, so first of all, who is this reporter that doesn't know what are? That's that's its own issue. But second of all, the man just being like Backstreet Boys, big fan. The guy who literally at one point in his career went, I'm going to take the janitor and beat Carl Anthony Towns in a five on five because I'm an insane person is like what gets you what what gets me amped up for the game? I want it that way. Hey, but that's something about Jimmy Butler. For those who don't know, Jimmy Butler, the star forward for the Miami Heat, the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. He went for 41! Jimmy Butler, he's also, he's a huge country music fan. I remember one time he came into a game in full cowboy getup, but not only is he a country music fan, a huge, and I mean huge, Taylor Swift fan. Yeah, a little bit, little bit of Jimmy Butler knowledge there for you. Also a big Taylor Swift fan. So the fact that he's listening to the Backstreet Boys and playing spades before the game <laughs> does not surprise me at all. If you if, if you had to if you gave me that question blind, who's the NBA player that before the game, yeah, he was playing spades and listening to the Backstreet Boys? Tyler Hero. Ooh, no, 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 no. Two of the top candidates. You know what? Maybe three, the same Duncan Robinson, all three of the top yeah. candidates, all on the same team. Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero were losing, losing spades to Jimmy Butler. But I don't think Tyler Hero would want to be. I don't think he would want to be identified, even if he like loved the Backstreet Boys. Oh, he's no. not playing that around the team because he's got the facade to keep. Oh yeah, no, he's 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 definitely he's got the white Dante uh, with the Bucks going, where he's like he's keeping it so real. He didn't even learn how to swim. Yeah, that's how real he's keeping it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where I think Duncan Robinson is literally the guy who shows up with his uh, Pokemon backpack and goes, "Hey guys." I'm just happy to be here. Do you need me to shoot a three? I assume Duncan Robinson is not this this lame, but I am genuinely like, I love the fact that Jimmy Butler actually is just like, they ask him after a game, what'd you do to get prepared? Listen to the Backstreet Boys, drank my coffee, played spades, then scored 41. That's what I do. And I cannot wait because he shot, what was it, like 22% from three in the regular season? He Sounds sh- about right. He's shooting like 39% from three in the playoffs. Jimmy Butler is that friend of yours that you're like, dude, it's just Monopoly. Calm down. He is officially, he is one of the NBA's biggest talkers, but I do think that there is a little bit of waffling on is he a legit tough guy. Oh, no. Do you think I, he's a real tough guy? No. I think I think UD is the like I think UD's the tough guy on that team and he's the guy that's like No, I'll go score in your face, but whoa, 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 what no, we're not fighting. Because like there was a brush up in game one of the series they're playing the Atlanta Hawks and Trey Young, little six one Trey Young, where he's giving Trey Young the business. But speaking of the fight game, this is the perfect encapsulation of the fight game stretching across sports. You mentioned Udonis Haslam. Jimmy Butler a few weeks ago where Udonis Hamlin has been on the Miami Heat since the beginning of the century. <laughs> For those of you who do not know, but he and Jimmy Butler, the star player on the team and the guy who was 40 still collecting paychecks, who might as well be an assistant coach at this point, get into the brouhaha of all brouhaha's in the huddle during a timeout. And you would think, oh man, who's winning? Who's backing down? The star <laughs> Ford, who's 
loves the Backstreet Boys and is like in every commercial that you can think of, a star in the NBA or the 40-year-old who's sitting on the end of the bench, he knew to stand down. Jimmy Butler, that is. Yeah. Because no. UD does not play. <laughs> well, it's also the best part of that is Jimmy Butler was going back at Eric Spolstra. And then, but Eric Spolstra didn't actually go back at Jimmy Butler. UD appeared out of nowhere, like popping up like a daisy. Like, you're going to put some respect on his name. Nah, coach, I got this one for you. I will fight your battles. <laughs> yeah, like. And I'm, I'm sure experts was like, no, 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 please, pl- pl- no, no, it, it's fine. He just got heated. Don't do this. You see this so much. I love it in the NBA because they're not wearing helmets. Sometimes in yeah. football, you don't really know. Also, in game two of the um, NBA playoffs, the Golden State Warriors and the Denver Nuggets were DeMarcus Cousins <laughs> got into it with one of his teammates, Will yeah. Barton. And it's always just the I want to see punches thrown between teammates. I want the loss to be that bad. I want the defeat to be so bad that you got to take a swing on a teammate because that's how bad you're losing. I mean, I enjoy I, I enjoy discovering Boogie Cousins is playing for the Denver Nuggets. Yep. Nuggets. Backing up Jokic. Yep. <laughs> yeah, like that's one of those where I'm like, oh, okay. All Learn right. something new Good every day. For him. I was always a big fan when he was in uh, when he Sacramento. Was in Sacramento. How many teams ago was that? At least four. I can't believe we didn't get him and Dwight Howard on a team together at one point. Because that would have been a fight. I mean, no, it wouldn't have been a fight. It would have been a shoving match where both guys were like, hold me back, hold me back. And that's a few good minutes with Jared. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jared. That was as bizarre as it was entertaining. I didn't expect to go down that journey with you of Jimmy Butler listening to the Backstreet Boys and playing spades. A hell of a combo. I will will always bring the weirdness for the final eight minutes of the show. I like how you mentioned the final eight. You're really capping it off. What if what if I need you for 10? What if I need you for 15? No, no, no. It's uh I'm only good for eight. Eight good minutes, huh? Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Well, you might as well call it a eight good minutes with Jared instead of a few. Hey, there's a every girlfriend I ever had joke in here, but I'm not gonna make it. Eight would probably be too long. All right, everybody, <laughs> thank you for listening to the fight game. Thank you to Adam Hill from the Review Journal uh, check for joining. Check out the jo- poll on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Check out the poll on Twitter. I'm going to keep it open because maybe, and sometimes an hour isn't long enough, you know, to listen, to actually vote in time, you know? So, hey, I'm going to leave it open. We'll get back to that next episode. Jared, thank you so much for doing what you do. Once again, thanks to Adam Hill. Also, thank you to Q Myers, Doug Marsh here at Lotus Broadcasting, the LV Sports Network, for giving me this opportunity. Very appreciative of you guys. Shout out to y'all, and thank you for listening. Be safe, everybody.